0: The following is a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society. Welcome, friend, to a brand new week of Grace in Focus from the Grace Evangelical Society. This week and part of the next, we will be looking at the Old Testament minor prophet, Joel. David Renfro is our Old Testament specialist, and he'll be joining Ken Yates and Bob Wilkin for this look at Joel. Today we'll be looking at the introductory aspects of the book. And right before we get into that, I want to tell you that our website is faithalone.org. You can find our resources and products there. Also information about our national conference, the Grace Evangelical Society National Conference 2023. And right now we're going to hear from Philippe Sterling, who is one of our presenters.
1: I remember the first time I heard about the conference, one of our church members, a woman, had gone to it and she came back and said to me I just went to a conference and they believe just the same thing that you do (laughs) and of course when she told me Bob Wilk and I immediately put it all together but I started going and that was about 20 years ago and one of the greatest things to me is just that's a place where I find a lot of kindred spirits, people who study the Scriptures and have come to an understanding of the grace and encouraging each other to come together to go through the Word. That's the greatest thing, just to be with kindred spirits and seeking to understand the Word better and better and apply it to life and
0: ministry. Thank you, Philippe Sterling, for that encouraging word about the National Conference. The 2023 version happens May the 22nd through the 25th, right around the corner. So, friend, you are invited to go to our website, faithalone.org, and look up the details and get registered. We would absolutely love it to have you with us. Now, let's get going on the Old Testament Minor Prophet, Joel
1: today we have a treat. Ken and I are in the office with David Renfro, who is the right reverend. David Renfro, who is the Old Testament expert extraordinaire.
2: I hate to correct you every time. It's most holy right reverend. Well, that's what we call you around the office. Oh, okay. All right. As long as that's part of it.
1: The most holy right reverend Renfro, he is here He gave us an outline. We're going to be going through Joel, or is it Joel? It depends on what part of the country you're from. (laughs) In Hebrew, what is it? It's Yoel. Yoel, okay. Uh All right, let's talk about the author of Joel.
2: Obviously, the name of the author is Joel, but it's really kind of a compound name because it's really made up of two words, Joe, which is short, believe it or not, for Yahweh, and then El, which is one of the Hebrew words for God. There are several words for God in the Old Testament. El is the primary emphasis. If you see El in the passage, it's emphasizing God's power. In fact, sometimes the word El is translated power. But this, in this case, Joel simply means Yahweh is God.
1: And we would say in English something like the Lord is God, but mm-hmm. in Hebrew it would be more like Yah. Is God, or Yahweh is God. Yeah,
2: yeah. there's a lot of different names that have a shortened name of Yahweh, uh, like Zechariah, and it's used quite a bit, like I say, in Old Testament names. Hallelujah. It's really two words, praise, hallelujah, and Yah, which is shortened for Yahweh or the Lord.
3: One thing I've noticed is, and Bob's kind of touched on this, when you look at the names of the prophets in the Old Testament, There's a lot of them that have the name God in it, like Micah, who's like God. Did the Hebrew people... Name all their kids, or a lot of them at least, with this idea of God and their name in different ways, either with El or Yah or whatever case or may be. Or
1: Eli, right? my God, or Eli-Yah. Right. Yahweh is my is God. He's my God.
2: Yeah. And, well, there's Zechariah, which the Lord remembers. Uh-huh. Right? Uh, oh,
1: from Zachar, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: Zechariah, there's Zephaniah.
1: Okay, yeah. And there,
2: there's so many of those that, that have Yah at the end, or like you said, Ezekiel, yeah. L at the end is God. Oh. So there are many, many names, except for names like David, <laughs> <laughs> which, you know, of course, means beloved.
1: All right. So now what about he's the son of who?
2: Pethuel. And that name literally means persuaded of
3: God. Well, there's another name with L at the end. There you go. Even his dad here. Yeah.
2: And guess what? That's all we know about Joel. (laughs) That's that's pretty much it. We don't know where he's from. It it doesn't give a location of where he ministered. We get hints from the text, and we'll go over that as we go through the book. Uh, We don't even know. In fact, the biggest controversy of this book is when was it written? There are at least four different theories, and all four of them are guesswork.
3: When does the locust invasion take place? What is he describing? Right.
2: Right. And then then he'll talk about showing up at this place called the Valley of Jehoshaphat. When is that going to happen? Because it talks about all the nations gathering in the Valley of Jehoshaphat. Of course, that's another thing we have to talk about. As to what in the world does that refer to? What does it mean?
1: We should also mention this is at the end of the Old Testament, in the section the Prophets, and this is in the subsection called the Minor Prophets. The Minor Prophets, and yeah. they're called Minor Prophets not because they're unimportant or lesser important, but because they're shorter for the most part.
3: Not shorter in stature. No, but
1: sh- <laughs> they're <laughs> not. They're not vertically challenged, right? <laughs> but, but in Joel's case, it's only three chapters, and right. they're short chapters so this is a pretty short book and it's the second of 12 right we have 12 of the minor prophets correct and it's a very important one because as we've been talking about it does discuss this locust plague it does discuss the day of the Lord and there's a lot of prophetic material in prophetic books Not- <laughs> there you go you and, and, and that's
3: why I went to seven Peter 80. refers to to Joel in the first sermon there in Acts.
1: You have that,
2: and you have Paul references it in Romans 10. We'll talk about that when we get into the text as right. well. So you, yeah, your date is about what? I'm picking around 825 B.C., give or take 100 years.
1: But we're after David, after Solomon.
3: But before the
1: Assyrian we're captivity. We're in the divided kingdom. Let me give you a yeah. timeline,
2: okay? Right. The kingdom of Israel, you know, when Solomon died, divided. Ten northern tribes, the two southern tribes. That occurred in nine thirty one B C.
1: Wow. I didn't know he knew the exact date.
2: I I was there for crying out <laughs> loud. That's where you're mostly Okay.
1: And that was nine thirty one exactly? Pretty much. Wow. Yeah. Okay.
2: Then after that you have the various kings in in each of the kingdoms. Right. We th- a lot of scholars think that Joel was in a part of the, the time. When there was relative prosperity, there wasn't a lot of invasions going on. That happens, believe it or not, a hundred years from now, From then. The other red-letter date, which I've mentioned before, is 722 B.C., which is when the ten northern tribes are conquered by the Assyrians, and they are dispersed through the Assyrian Empire and beyond, I'm sure, and we never hear from those ten northern tribes ever again. They
1: are gone and, and this is about a hundred years before that. That's a yeah, that's my best guess. And it's about a hundred years after the division of the kingdom. That's correct. Okay.
2: Yeah. And then the other red letter date, of course, is the Babylonian exile, the seventy year Babylonian exile. That started about six oh five B C. In other words, about two hundred years after I think Joel ministered. And then the other of course red letter date as part of that Babylonian invasion was Jerusalem is destroyed in 586 B.C. There's a big uprising thinking they could, you know, get rid of the Babylonians that came down and said, okay, Jerusalem <laughs> no longer exists. Yeah. And
3: then, the Babylonians got
2: tired of it. They did. Yeah. And, and uh, they destroyed the temple. They destroyed everything. I mean, yeah. it was like there wasn't one stone left on top of another almost.
1: Which is why we have to go back with Nehemiah and, I guess, Ezra when they're rebuilding mm-hmm. the wall and rebuilding the temple. And then there's this weeping because the later... Temple is not as glorious it's a, as it, it's Solomon's a, temple. It just
2: doesn't <laughs> measure up to Solomon's temple yeah. at all. And uh, at that post-exilic time, that when the Jews came back from the Babylonian exile, is a fascinating time to study. You know, Of course, you have Esther, but you have Ezra and Nehemiah, and then the last three of the minor prophets, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, were what we call post-exilic prophets. And it's a fascinating time in Old Testament history. That's great. It really is.
1: So now who's the audience? Who do we think uh, or do we know who was the intended audience?
2: Well, it doesn't. Like I say, the, a lot of times in these prophets, it'll say he ministered, you know, during the reigns of blah, blah and so on. And it's obvious that he was that the main audience was the northern kingdom or the southern kingdom, depending on which prophet you're talking about. There's no hint here in Joel as to who he was talking about, except he does talk numerous times about Judah and Jerusalem, which means, and most scholars think this, and I tend to agree with them, that his ministry primary ministry was with the southern kingdom, even though the northern kingdom existed at that time. His comments here were directed toward the southern kingdom simply because of the reference he makes later on in the text.
1: Right. Okay. How about the purpose of the book? What is the purpose of
3: Yael or Joel? Yoel. (laughs) Yoel. Yoel. He already forgot what it said. Yo.
2: Yo. Yo. (laughs) Man, that makes that so contemporary, doesn't it? (laughs) If you go through this book, it's a fascinating book on a lot of levels, but to me, the two major purposes, themes if you want, the Lord, being sovereign that he is, is going to judge his own covenant people, but not only that, being sovereign over the whole world, he's going to judge all the nations. That's number one. He's sovereign, therefore he judges sin the second thing that you see over and over again in this book as well is that he will restore his faithful people so restoration is to me the second thing and this is kind of an interesting way to to do this in one deity you have extreme devastating judgment upon sin but then you have overwhelming blessing and restoration from the same God. And grace. All of that is based on grace. You're you right.
3: see this a lot in the Psalms, too. His judgment, but he's going to restore his people. Exactly. Right.
1: And all of this within Joel can be tied into the expression, the day of the Lord, is that correct? Yes. Is it both judgment and restoration, yes. the day of the Lord?
2: The day of the Lord simply refers to his active, direct, action
3: amongst men he's intervening he's intervening which includes both of those judgment and restoration but it's not
1: restoration for everybody it's restoration for israel right Right.
3: for his
2: faithful covenant people
1: people. next time we're going to go over the outline and then we're going to get into the opening portion of the book in the meantime even in joel even in joel keep keep grace in focus. focus
0: Zane Hodges' excellent commentary on Romans entitled Romans Deliverance from Wrath is available right now on our website faithalone.org Get half price through February 28, 2023 when you use the code word Romans That's faithalone.org Did you miss an episode of Grace in Focus that you really wanted to hear? Just come to faithalone.org That's faithalone.org We have all our past episodes right there on the site. In addition, we have all kinds of free resources available for you. It's all designed to help you mature and grow in your understanding of Scripture. So come visit us at faithalone.org. That's faithalone.org. On this program, we keep our requests for financial partners to a minimum. But if you are interested in becoming a financial partner with Grace in Focus... You can find out how to do that at faithalone.org. Our team is really great about answering questions, comments, and feedback. If you've got some, we hope to hear from you. Let me give you our email address so you can do just that. It's radio at faithalone.org. That's radio at faithalone.org. And on the next episode of Grace in Focus, we'll look at the outline of Joel and we'll get started on our study in that book. Please join us next time. Grace in Focus. This is the Grace Evangelical Society. Until next time, let's keep grace in focus. The proceeding has been a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society.